Welcome to TA1, everything you want to know about adventure racing and then some. I'm your host, the legendary Randy Erickson, and Merry Christmas and Happy New Year to all of you. This will be, uh, this is the last episode before Christmas, so hope you're all been nice this year. I think most of you have. I saw a few naughty people, but um, this week's guest is Nick Gracie, someone that I just sort of knew by reputation, and I would have to say that didn't know a lot about him, but uh, and kind of uh, maybe took him and the team Adidas Terex a little for granted, and then you realize, oh wait, they're the number three team in the world. They are pretty good, and uh, Nick's pretty good. So it was a great learning experience to me and reminder that uh, there's a lot of really good good racers out there so I hope you all enjoy it uh, the other thing this episode is I'd just like to say a thank you to everybody that's helped out this year with the podcast um, getting to races race directors uh, media people travel agencies <clears throat> and of course all the racers that <clears throat> excuse me um, were the reason for being there. So a couple of things I know we'll be doing next year, and hopefully there'll be some more that, um, <clears throat> got it, that we will uh, be able to be seeing each other at. So guess that's it. Even though it's Christmas time, and as Kyle Peter says, it's fat season, go fast take chances and have a merry christmas thanks for listening yeah hey randy how you doing you okay i am doing well it's like uh 65 degrees out in a great day so <laughs> what's 65 degrees in fahrenheit what's that in centigrade um like uh 20 so, oh that's hot yeah, yeah that's I mean, good for it's uh not that unusual here but it's kind of nice because it could be zero Fahrenheit here too, so. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It's about oh, what's it in the UK? It's about five degrees centigrade here today. It's yeah. pretty cold. Yeah, so. Be, there's snow in a lot of snow in Scotland now, but nothing. I live in the south of England in a town called Bristol, so it's it's a bit milder down here. But we live near the coast, so we get pretty um, get quite a lot of wind and big storms. Yeah, so so I just uh, saw a video of Lake Tahoe. From the big yeah, I was just watching that. I had uh, I had Facebook open because I'd just been speaking to some friends in Brazil, yeah. and uh, that's amazing. I saw that I because I, I used to surf a lot and I still do surf, but not as much as I used yeah. to. I was thinking that's just out in the ocean somewhere. I can't believe they're getting that on Tahoe. It's amazing. It is. I just I just posted. I sure hope they don't get that during Primal Quest. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. How do you, do you think Primal Quest is going to be a success next year? Um. Yeah, I do. Um, oh, okay, that's good. Yeah, and and, I would just, and part of it is, is I'm, I'm actually involved with it. I'm going to be doing the video for them. Oh yeah. But um, knowing what they got planned with media wise, I think it's going to be interesting. Will there be a whole bunch of teams? No, I don't think so. 
Um, yeah. I think yeah. 30-ish maybe, but um, what they have planned, I, I think it's going to be an interesting um, adventure race, a little bit different. Um, you know, it's not exactly the same course like everybody's thinking, you know. Oh, okay, that's good. It, like I posted, it's it's kind of the same, but you're still going to have to be navigating. Um, yeah, yeah. But what's what's nice is they're uh, involving all the communities. Okay. Which you know, you know, normally you can't do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, so is it? Is it? I, I mean, I've only I've only spent a week of my life in Tahoe. I spent most of it up in uh, Truckee, up at the mm -hmm. north end, and then I went down to South Tahoe, which I didn't like quite as much. Yeah. But um, yeah, it was. Uh, it's a nice. It's a lovely place. Yeah, yeah. It's it's should be an awesome race, you know. We were there. Yeah. Paulette did the 200 mile run in September, so we, you know, spent a week there, and um, it it should be interesting. I, and and I hope it's a success because, you know, it's helping to grow the sport. I think in the U.S. especially. Um, oh, definitely, yeah, you know. yeah, yeah. So. I think just for my probably from a point of view from being an international team, we looked at it and we were excited, and then when we saw that the the, the entry fee is quite high. Yeah. Yeah, and for us to fly from the UK to California is probably it's not that cheap anymore, yeah. and so it would be a really expensive race to do, and there, and it and also because the route is a repeat of what they've done before, that kind of puts off a little bit as well. Yeah, I don't know any international teams that have you know any of the guys sort of you know top five or six teams that have unless Techno are going. I don't know if they would do it. It's pretty close for some of those guys, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Other than I know they're they're planning on Cowboy Tough and and Alaska. Expedition Alaska, so yeah, those races are virtually back to back, aren't they? Yeah, within uh, two weeks. Well, let's see. So they got, um, yeah, I mean, it's like six weeks. Those three races are in a six. Week yeah, they're race. all on top of each other, aren't they? Yeah, so, yeah. What, the race in Alaska does look very appealing. I must say, it looks from a just a pure scenery point of view could be amazing. Yeah, I I agree there. And you know, it's a World Series race. Um, yeah. You know, and that's like Nathan told me, said. You know, if it's not a World Series race, we're not going to it because that's important for them, for C. Yeah, it's same with us, really. Yeah, yeah, we kind of, you know, we want to keep keep our ranking yeah. as high as possible. So, I mean, we we're a bit limited on budget, so with not a lot of right, we could, we would love to do more racing, but we just don't have the funds for it, really. Yeah. Wow. Uh, really, an adventure race team that doesn't have any money. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we just kind of scrape by, really. Yeah. I mean, a few of us are kind of, you know, financially okay, but some of the guys on our team of they're just they're outdoor instructors, mm -hmm. so they don't get paid very well at all. Yeah. Um, they love their job, but they just don't get paid too well. So they're pretty tight on cash, so it's a bit harder for them. Yeah, exactly. So um, was uh, that kind of a little surprise that you guys moved up to third? Or, well, we figured it out actually. It was funny the night we obviously the world champs in Ecuador. We we had a, such a frustrating end to the race because yeah. we were really we thought we'd probably get we were we were happy with we kind of had it in our head we were going to get fifth at the start yeah. of that paddle, uh, and then obviously we had a we had a snap paddle. So we thought, well, as long as we keep going, we'll be okay. But obviously, as things unfolded, we ended up coming sixth. Yeah. So. And we could have probably, if we if we just not a few things had gone all better our way, we would have could have got four. So, yeah. but I woke up in the morning after that race, and I knew that basically a few, th you know, I knew that it was going to be quite close on the rankings. Mm -hmm. And I worked out, I knew, yeah, I knew we were going to be third. We'd worked out, we did the maths already. So, so you knew that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I was surprised actually that Craig let. Um, 
the French team, that whatever they're called now, the Costa Rica Cafe yeah. France, you know, Mimi and Jackie, carry their because when they raced, obviously when they won in uh, in Costa Rica, they were racing as Tule, and that was kind of their sponsor. Mm-hmm. It's a funny, uh, yeah. I mean, it, it doesn't bother me at all, but. I was surprised he actually let them carry those points across because it's kind of a completely different team, really, and a different sponsor. But I guess it's the same people. So yeah, exactly. Hey, can you hold on just one second? I gotta check on yeah. something here. So yeah, yeah, yeah. No worries. Yeah, hang on. No worries. All right, I'm back. Paulette brought yeah. brought Chili to work, and so I had to let her know where I was. <laughs> uh, I'm assuming Chili's a dog. Yeah, Chili's Chili used to be the most famous dog in adventure racing until Arthur came along. Oh man, that story's insane. It, it is. It's really cool. It really has. Been. I mean, I'm, I, it's not a bad thing, I guess, because it's getting the sport some publicity. But um, I mean, it's all over the UK. When I got back. Uh, I went out for a few beers with my friends, yeah. and they uh, they'd all heard about it, and they had they they kind of been watching the race, but they'd all heard about it from different sources, you know, about the dog, really. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so yeah, kids knew about it at school, and yes, it's insane. It is, yeah. So while Chile came home from when Paulette raced in Patagonia, so oh right, but I watched. So she found the dog there, yeah, it, which was just a street dog. It. She didn't follow her through the race, so it wasn't quite that cool. But <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That's really interesting, actually. Well, it was, and here's the funny part: of every media person in in Ecuador, I'm the only one that doesn't have a picture of Arthur because we were helping him try to take him back to Sweden. So. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. How funny! It is kind of weird, but so. All right, so we're back to normal. So, so you guys weren't surprised that you were third, but. Um, are you uh, you weren't surprised you're third but are you kind of surprised you're third not really i think it's i mean to be honest if you look at just how if you look at the way the mass works mm-hmm. out all you need to have really is two decent back-to-back uh world championship results mm-hmm. and you're going to be pretty high in the rankings mm-hmm. uh and then obviously we won we had the other obviously you have four races that count yeah. we had we got the third last year mm-hmm. in costa rica really helped yeah. And obviously our result this year was not as good, but still was de- decent. And then we had two wins. We won Tierra Viva a few years ago. And we won the the uh, Arteira race this year. So, yeah, I mean, I guess it's probably not, I don't know. I mean, it's hard to know who, I suppose it, all the rankings reflect is consistency mm. and having a good string of results in a row. Because if you look at Seagate, I mean, Seagate is still really the team to beat. But, you know, and you would probably, most people would say they're the best team in the world but they're not ranked number one. That's purely just because they didn't finish the race in Costa Rica. If they'd 
you know, managed to even finish fourth or fifth, they probably would be top ranked. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, you, you've got to read into it a little bit. And I think most people in the sport kind of know. But it's good for us as far as sponsors go because, it, you know, it's it adds quite a bit of credibility. So, yeah. And we had a good year. I mean, we won the big, the big race in the UK mm. and we won it really convincingly. And then we won the European Championships, which is obviously you guys probably aren't so aware of it, but there's a European Adventure Race Series, which... It's not nowhere near as good as the World Series, and and some of the races are a bit random. Um, they're like all in Eastern Europe and you know Ireland and places like that. But um, still, it's quite competitive. There's some really good teams in Eastern Europe actually, but they just don't they don't have the money to come to the World Champs. But there's one team that came. I think they came. They might have come eighth actually, maybe team from the Czech Republic. Um, I, think. I think you're right. They were up there pretty close, if I remember right. So yeah, there's there's some really really good teams because. Or, uh, you know, orienteering in Eastern Europe is really popular, so they're very good navigators. Um, and probably what lets them down a bit is probably they're, they're, they, they don't speak very good English, so I think quite often they end up making mistakes, and it's purely down to the fact they haven't quite understood the rules properly. So yeah. it wouldn't surprise me if, you know, if, if those teams had more money, you'd see a lot more Eastern European teams, Polish teams and Czech teams uh in the top top bunches really so so yeah it's pretty competitive so is it i mean is you say it's competitive are there a lot of teams in the european series i mean is it is the sport growing there i think so yeah it's hard to i've so i've some years i feel like the sport is doing really well and then some sometimes it it feels like it's not doing so well but i think it's on a pretty good run at the moment i'm I mean, the World Series really gives it uh, some structure yeah. and something to aim for. And without that, I think it would be a real. It wouldn't really be very credible at all. But just saying, just having a World Championships, however, however it works out, and people have got different schools of thought how it should be every year or every four years, or if it should be you race for your nation or you know, however. Yeah. At least it's a World Championship. So when you're talking to sponsors or even to my wife or my mates, they kind of say oh there's the world championships and stuff so it's good it does give it some structure yeah um and it ultimately if you've got something you know something something to aspire to then it's great for you know just people getting into the sport so yeah i think it's uh, uh, the uk is funny i don't think it's really growing in the uk i think it's pretty where it is and the race that james thurlow runs do you know james thurlow yeah had him on the we had him on the podcast he was very interesting <laughs> yeah, he's a good guy. He's a great guy, actually. Yeah. He's got a good friend of mine, and so he he really he organises the best races in the UK, and he really the race that he puts on the World Championships race. There's probably not enough teams to do that race every year. Mm -hmm. That's one of the reasons he doesn't do it every year because he partly because it's a lot of work. Yeah. Um. But he, if he did it every year, he'd probably end up with like 25 teams. Whereas if he does it every two years, he ends up with like 40 teams. So. Yeah, and I, the biggest problem, the main thing I my issue is with the sport, and is that there's just not enough young people doing it. There's not enough kids, and there's not enough incentives apart from in New Zealand mm -hmm. to really encourage kids, or at least you know people in their young tw early twenties or mid twenties to get into the sport. Yeah. If you look around, a lot of people racing have kind of been racing a long time, and you see so i mean the only teams i can think of that are really kind of i mean techno are relatively i wouldn't call them young but they're newer to the sport yeah. some of the older teams but they're not exactly you know spring chickens and but new zealand's great new zealand have you know they've they have it event racing in schools out there and it's just one of those things you know in five ten years time new zealand will just dominate 
Yeah. And my friend Warren, who we race with, he obviously runs Godzone, mm. and they, they have a, a, a youth class, um, and it gives youth teams discounts. And you know, there's there's a those he said some of the youth teams there are so good now. He said in five years they will be smashing everybody because they just you know they've been they were they will have like five or ten years up on people. So yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a sport that takes well theoretically takes a few years to to really know what you're doing. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, 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 for so, sure. Although I was talking with Yari Kirkland, and she, she did her first expedition race, which was Primal Quest Tahoe, um, three weeks after hearing about adventure racing. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but she's kind of a freak of nature. So, yeah, she's just a, she's just immersed in the outdoors and loves yeah. it, and you know that's kind of her life, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I'd love to get more kids involved, and in the UK we've tried it, but just. I don't know. I don't. I don't it's probably the same with the US kids. They have so many distractions mm-hmm. and yeah. pressure on them to do well at school. And then, you know, they might be really into mountain biking, but then they'd like, well, I'm a mountain biker. I'm not going to be take up running or kiking, and I'm not very good at reading a map. So, you know, there's yeah. it's a, there's a lot of skills involved in adventure racing. Yeah, and it's yeah. I don't know how you get kids. You know, a lot of skills, and it's not not cheap. So. No, definitely not cheap. No, no. Yeah. I mean, even if you do a even if you just do a, a race with mountain biking and running in it, there's still, you know, to buy a decent mountain bike, you're still looking at the best part of, you know, fifteen hundred, two thousand dollars, yeah. and and then all the shoes and backpacks and bladders and you know everything, and then the entry fee and stuff. It all it adds up pretty quick. Yeah, it does. So I'll certainly be encouraging my kids to uh, to do it, but yeah. That's, <laughs> it's going to be one of those things to be a lot. Hopefully, a lot of just the you know parents will be encouraging their kids and that may have a bit of a ripple effect but it's still going to be a fairly small sport yeah it's always it's yeah it's always just going to be a niche sport and yeah the people that love it are going to be doing it and everybody else are going to be like oh you mean you did one of those mud runs (laughs) yeah yeah, exactly yeah yeah Yeah. those mud runs i mean they're really really popular in the uk but they sound really popular in the states as well and that may be what brings more people into adventure racing you know maybe they get a taste of that and want to take it up a notch so well yeah exactly yeah i do i mean anything any any sport or any event that gets people involved in you know kind of off off road kind of running and outdoors is it's all good for the sport really because it's you're right your people will do that and go well i've done that now i want what's the next challenge what's what's harder than this you know we have to step it up so exactly so um well, we've solved almost all the world's problems so far, but <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah. Uh, tell me, tell me about your worlds. I think you know it was a great race. I, I, I especially, especially want to know about that uh, last four kilometers. But um... oh, that was painful. Yeah, that was horrible. <laughs> we had, I mean, it was. A, I mean, we had the whole Ecuador trip was was really good for the. You know, it was it was good. We had so our, the way our year panned out. We have a guy called Tom Gibbs mm-hmm. who I think you you. Yep. Uh, you uh, did a uh, chat with recently, yep. actually. Yeah. And he's sm- he's an amazing navigator, and he smashed his knee up um, a couple of months ago. Yeah. Well, more than a month. Uh, you know, the start of the summer, really. Yeah. And um, so he was kind of out of coming. He, you know, he would he would have been our first choice navigator, and he he rarely makes mistakes. And if he makes a mistake, it's a five minute mistake, not a half an hour mistake, mm-hmm. if you know what I mean. Yeah. Uh, and he's very strong as well, and he's experienced, and you know he's good to race with. So 
that was always going to be a bit of a blow coming into this into Ecuador that we didn't have like probably our A team, if you like. Mm-hmm. Um, and last year we raced in Costa Rica. We had Yari, who obviously you know yeah. well, and she's very strong. Um, but we wanted to kind of just go. There's a girl called Sally who you probably met, who's racing with yeah. us now, and it's just a bit easier for us to keep it all English because we all live close to relatively close to each other. Um, so so Sally was new coming into the team, and she's pretty good. Uh, and I've you know I, I've done three races with her prior to Ecuador, and I've won every race with her. We won the Patagonia expedition race with her. We won the race, the European Championships, and we run the race in the the Itera mm-hmm. race. So she's she can definitely she's a, she's definitely a winner. Yeah. Um, and Kim was very good. Kim's super strong. He's an amazing runner. He's one of the best. Well, he he was British Ultra Trail Running Champion this year at running. So he's he's a top top UK runner. I mean, he's very very good. Um, and he's a good navigator, but probably not quite as good as Tom. But we went out there. We went out really early. We got really well acclimatized. You know, we climbed some big peaks. We slept at altitude, so we were really well mm-hmm. kind of uh, tuned into the country, I suppose. Yeah. Um, and our race went. We had a very good start to the race. The first stage was excellent. The bike was good, and the second trek was was good to start with and we made a, a really silly navigation mistake which was not really it was all of our thoughts really because we should have all been a bit more switched on mm. and it cost us about half an hour so we ended up getting instead of being in that lead group we kind of we were ahead of all those people we were at, at one stage we were running in second and we made this mistake and then we just lost about half an hour so we got back and then it, our race actually unfolded a bit on that stage because it you remember, I don't know where you were then but it started to rain very heavily that night and yeah. um, Sally got partic- we all got pretty cold but Sally got particularly cold um, and we had all our gear on and stuff like that but we just weren't warming mm-hmm. up and by the time we got to the end of that stage we were I mean we, we were we were cold but we you know the guys could you know we, we warmed up enough but Sally really didn't warm up yeah. and then on that next bike so that very long bike we were particularly slow and not really from our pace was pretty slow but we were just stopping so often because Sally was feeling not so good, we were, you know, trying to get as much food into her, and she was changing her clothes and putting more clothes mm. on, and so we had at that. If just looking at the split times, our bike leg there was horribly slow. It was a really, really bad stage for us. And then, obviously, that uh, pretty much at the end of that stage, I think that's when we found out we had the penalty as well. Yeah. Um, we knew we weren't going to make the cutoff, or if we did, it was going to be like very unlikely. So we weren't too stressed about that. So we took the rest. We were kind of. We didn't go too crazy because we thought there's no point killing ourselves just to get an extra hour or two hours sleep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so um, we're normally stronger on our feet anyway. That's definitely our strongest discipline. So we, the next trek was a good stage for us. Uh, and the next bike was okay. Again, we, we just ended up stopping a lot. Um, and we had a few bit of problems with the navigation. And then what do we do after that? Yeah, then we got to the, the end of that stage and we obviously did the dark, the dark zone. And that's when we broke the paddle, which obviously had... that. The, we actually really enjoyed the whitewater rafting. And Kim and Sally, they're both outdoor instructors and they're very good in, in whitewater. Mm. They teach it. Okay. So yeah. we had no problems on that stage at all, apart from we, had, we broke the paddle. Um and then we had a, a good bike, and then we had a really good stage on the run. You know, the the muddy trek in the jungle. Yeah. We knew we had a lot to do. We knew we had to get at least an hour ahead of Techno to have a chance of beating them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and it was a really weird thing because we we caught up with them quite quickly on that trek, and we thought, God, it's one of these stages where 
it's really hard to lose a team. You're going to stick together because there wasn't any route choice. It was just following your GPS. And we thought, how are we ever going to get past them and then not be able to shake them off and try and really put some distance into them? And it was just right when I think Mary had got stuck in some mud. <laughs> uh, yeah, I remember him talking about that. Yeah, and it was bizarre because we were just literally talking about it about a minute beforehand saying, right, as soon as we see them, we've got to make a decision when we're going to go for it. We're just going to have to run our hearts out for you know a good hour or so to try and get ahead of them. And then she was stuck in the mud. Like, we're, oh, my God, she's stuck in the mud. And we're like, let's just go now, right now. <laughs> and so we got a really lucky break, actually, to be fair. And then, and then we went and we pushed hard on that stage. And I think we, we worked quite well with the GPS and the map and, and, pick, and finding routes and stuff. Not with the map, obviously, but finding routes. Yeah. And I think we... We had the confidence to drift quite far off the, the GPS line, and then we would always kind of find our way back onto it. Um, it was really that paddle that we had a lot of problems with at the start. We we fixed the paddle with a piece of wood, mm-hmm. and then it broke about an hour later. Uh, and then we had a real problem finding the first checkpoint on the backside of the island. Um, and we faffed around there. We probably lost at least half an hour there. And then we paddled, and we had, we were towing then at this stage. Me and Sally mm-hmm. were towing Warren and Kim because Warren just had half a paddle. Um, and then we were trying to find the inlet. So they're getting to this last horrible, stressful stage. <laughs> we were trying to find the inlet to get into the kind of the channel that ultimately took you to where we got out. And it was one of those things that was really hard to see. And we kept going in where we thought it might be, and it was really shallow. And so we'd hit the sand and come out again and then go in again. And eventually we found the channel. But by this stage, Techno and the French team could see us and they could see all the mistakes we were making. And it was one of these stages where you think it's actually not really helping us to be, be ahead here because, you know, on a paddle, you can, when you're trying to find something, you end up going in and out a lot. And, and rather than you going in and out a lot, they can just beeline straight and take the best line. And that carried on. So we got onto the channel and then we went through and we were ahead of them and we knew they were only about eight, maybe nine minutes behind us. But we thought, that's enough time. We don't need a lot of time because the run was only about 3K long and we were feeling good for the run. Um, and then it was, it was one of these awful experiences. We got down this channel and we went straight ahead and it would look like the obvious channel. We just got to a massive sandbank and the channel just stopped. And we turned around and because ju- there, there was another side channel which we ended up taking. And just as we got to the side channel techno came around the corner and saw us taking the side channel mm. and it was like one of those things if we'd been literally 30 seconds ahead they would have done the same mistake that we did and gone straight ahead because it was definitely the most obvious thing to do and 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 then they would have been the equal amount of time behind us but automatically they caught up like five minutes because mm. they hadn't wasted time and then we got to another junction and there were three there were four channels it's like a crossroads mm. We went left, which looked like the most obvious channel. We went round it, and it looked like it was just going to peter out into nothing. So we quickly came back and went down another channel so they didn't see us. And we went down that channel for ages, and it just came to a dead end. It was just a mangrove. And we were like, oh, man, we've screwed it here. <laughs> we went back, and the ch- first channel that we took was actually the right channel. But in our nervousness and stress of thinking we don't want to show them where to go, we've got to make a really quick decision. We made too much of a rush decision. And we ended up getting back onto the onto the right channel. But obviously by then they were long gone. Mm. And we could then see that and the French team had done the same. The French team had got ahead of us as well. So we dropped from fifth to seventh. Yeah. And then we saw the French team and we thought, well, let's just give it everything we got. And we just as the French team were getting out of the water and putting their boats away, we pulled up. And they were just it was weird actually, because I don't know what they were thinking, but 
they were really, really taking their time. They were really faffing around. And we thought, do they not know there's like three kilometers to the finish here? It's not like, this is not the finishing line. There's a lot, there's still some racing yeah. to go. Yeah. Um, so we got them. We just like absolutely motored through it. We just, we threw everything around. We pulled at the boats and they were suddenly looking at us thinking, shit, these guys are still racing. <laughs> and we just sprinted off. I mean, we literally ran like crazy. Everything, you know, flying yeah. off us, you know, we were hanging on to all our B buoyancy aids and seats and stuff. <laughs> and then they realized what was going on. And, they, and then they took chase but we were quite far ahead by then, and we were definitely running a lot faster than them. You know, we're, we're quite all of us are quite f- fast runners, so we were confident. And then it was then this is it, this is why it even got even more stressful. So actually, I should say at this stage, we didn't actually know that Techno were ahead of us. We only saw one team behind us for sure, yeah. and we thought that might have been the Frenchies. So when we caught them back up, we thought we might have got back into fifth position then. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, so you go up the road. Did you go down to the, where the kayak finished? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So actually, yeah. Do you remember where you were with the Canadian yep, guys? Yep. Yeah. So basically, we went down that left-hand track. I think I may have showed it yep. to you, actually. Mm-hmm. And we ran down there thinking that was the right track. And we got to the end and it just goes comes to a cliff. And we thought, shit, we made a mistake here. We ran back and the French had got ahead of us. And we were like, oh, man, this is just not our day. You know, we've yeah. done all that hard running, and then because we made a bit another little nav error, they've got ahead. But then they made a mistake, and they ended up going all the way back down the road. Yeah, the long. so we sprinted. Yeah, they took the long route down, and we found the right track and went down the beach and ran to the finish. And when we got to the finish line, and before we saw Techno, we honestly thought we were going to be fifth yeah. because we saw we we thought the team behind us at that stage had been the French. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and so yeah, so when we got to the finish line, we were pretty chuffed. And happy that we got ahead of the French, thinking we were fifth. And then we saw Techno, we were like, oh, no, man, they obviously must have got ahead of us. Yeah. And then when we heard that the, the the other French team, Mimi and Jackie, had been so slow that they'd overcaught them and got fourth, we were like, oh, man, if we had just been a bit more, things had gone our way, yeah. we would have got fourth. And But that's, you know, that's racing. Yeah. And it, it did get really exciting for, hopefully, it, I guess people wouldn't have known that on the trackers, but hopefully you can maybe express it a bit in this story now. Or, yeah. you know, the fact it was so, it was really, really nip and tuck. You know, it could have gone either way for for all those four. Well, not so much probably the French team that Mimi and Jackie, I mean, they should have just really, Yeah, I don't know. They, I was a bit disappointed with their their um, their their comments actually about how they, you know, were told that the teams were a long way yeah. behind. Yeah. Like that. Just, you just keep racing. Exactly. You know? you yeah. You can't just rely on information like that because the trouble, you know, it's just not going to probably be correct. And you can relax when you get over the finishing line, and that's when you can do your interviews and stuff like that. So yeah. Well, yeah, I thought it was a bit and un- unsportsmanlike actually with their comments, but you know. You know, and quite honestly, the photographers that were doing the most were their guy, the what is Stefan or whoever it was, their sponsor that was following him the whole time so oh really he was yeah. the one spending most of the time with him in that last trek so yeah yeah it, it but i mean how weird is that to have two sprint basically two sprint finishes in a 10 day or seven day adventure race <laughs> oh i know it's insane it was just it was and it's really stressful as well yeah. because you, you so you're not feeling your best and you don't really want to be pushing your body that hard at the end yeah. and we ran so hard on that last three kilometers. I mean, I was—we were all busted at the end yeah. of it. I look at the photo of us crushing the finishing line, and you can see all the veins in our head are like popping yeah. out. 
you know, we were really going pretty hard. So, yeah, so it was a bit frustrating, but, you know, and we, we probably beat ourselves up a bit about it. But, you know, at the end of the day, it was just one of those things. And if it just, you know, a few minutes difference might have mean we would have been full. So, and we were only nine minutes behind four. So you can take positives out of it. So, yeah, I mean, and to be fair, Techno had a brilliant race. They raced, they raced a lot better than I thought they could actually race. Yeah. Um, and I think, I mean, obviously they made that really big uh, navigation howler on the, whatever that trekking yeah, stage the, was. Yeah, the, I know which one you mean. We talked, yeah, we, Rob and I talked about it and how he, yeah. so, yeah, they just. Just obviously got a bit turned around and yeah. got a bit confused. And stuff well, you know, that. and the other thing that Rob said screwed him up is they crossed this river twice, but they didn't know it was the same river because um, the dam had started letting more water out. Ah. So they crossed it once, you know, it was ankle deep. They crossed this other river that was like thigh deep, but it was the same river. Oh, I see. So, yeah, 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 yeah. That would be confusing, would... yeah. <laughs> Pretty. Yeah, and it's tough. I mean, it's one of those things. It's normally, you know, as soon as you get into night in these places, during the daylight, navigation's not easy, but it's it's it, you've got more margin for error. Yeah. But at night, you can get so turned around. And the maps, the maps weren't too bad, actually. They were okay. Yeah, uh, it would have definitely benefited us if we'd had two sets of maps, just because, you know, it's. I think it just makes it so much easier if you've got two people navigating. But trying to share a map is pretty difficult in a race, yeah, really. I can see that. Um, and definitely not one thing that is always. I mean, to be fair, it's only really benefit for the Columbia team. I don't know if any guys on the techno team speak Spanish, but not speaking Spanish is a real, <laughs> it's a real downside in the race because. A lot of times, if we'd been able to ask people directions yeah. or just ask them really simple questions, it would have helped. We would have a lot of time, yeah. 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 Although it's interesting because what we found in the media is, you know, we had a, a, a Ecuadorian driver. Sometimes he'd yeah. ask directions to the next town just to make sure. And yeah. people would not know where the next town is. If it's, you know, oh, yeah. 25K that, away and they've never heard of it. Yeah, I know. I mean, you do get that. You can also get the wrong information yeah. as well. People tell you to go the opposite direction. They just don't quite get it. And yeah. if you show people a map in a race, especially in rural areas like that, they haven't got a clue where they even where they are. Yeah. They just never probably see maps. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah, so it's quite an interesting one. But yeah, it, just a few things, you know, simple things like lefts and rights and stuff like that. It just it would be make a lot more sense. Yeah. But yeah, and I think next year in Brazil. I mean, no one speaks Portuguese, you know, none of, even if you're a Spanish-speaking team, Portuguese is so different from Spanish, so it's going to be quite interesting. It'll be a big advantage. I mean, I raced in uh, Brazil last year at Ecomotion with a Brazilian team of the BMS guys, okay. and um, just the, the it was amazing how much they talked to the locals. Virtually mm -hmm. yeah. any time they saw anyone, they would talk to them and make sure we were on the right route and stuff. It was a really big advantage. Yeah. What what you're saying is, is we need a uh, world championship in an English speaking country. It would help. <laughs> I mean, Australia, I suppose, is yeah. Well, I, I, I said an English speaking country. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, an Aussie speaking. Yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah. Can I? Yeah. I want to ask you something about. Yeah. There was a lot of hypothermia, and I mean, obviously, you know, you, there's reasons why because you're at elevation and it's raining, but. Um, where do you think people were not quite prepared for that? Because, you know, like like bones dropped out because one of the because one of the guys got hypothermia and couldn't warm up. And I mean, I I would guess almost every team had at least one bout with it. 
So yeah, I mean, we only got. I only remember being cold on that on that night in yeah. the trek, but we really cold. Yeah. I mean, I was. All of us were definitely on the edge, and Sally had probably gone over the edge. To be fair, no. I, I'm guessing she's got like two percent body fat. So yeah, she, there's not much to her. But I mean, she works in the outdoors. Yeah. She's outdoors every day on the hill with you know kids yeah. and stuff. So she's pretty used to bad weather. But yeah, I mean, we definitely we. If I had known it could get that cold, yeah. I don't, you know what it was. It was just the rain. The rain there is so in, 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 intense. Yeah. But even if you put on your Gore-Tex jacket, you get soaking wet. And then all you need is a little bit of wind and you just get so cold. Yeah. You know, in, in hindsight, we would have take we should have taken more clothes on that first, on that, certainly on that first trek. It's always hard in adventure racing because you start off and it was, we were boiling hot on that first mm-hmm. run, you yeah. know, but up to 4,000 meters and it was hot. And then you start off on that run and it was still pretty warm and you're going through the jungle and you think, how am I ever going to get cold here? Yeah. Yeah. And it, but it doesn't take a lot. So, um, yeah, and the bike, we weren't that cold on the bike. As soon as we got on the bike and, you know, it wasn't too bad, but it was just it was just the rain. As soon as it stopped raining, it was all right. You could deal with it. But that rain really is pretty hardcore. Yeah, I mean, quite honestly, we missed most of it with the media where we were. Um, yeah. Other than, you know, the opening ceremonies. <laughs> get everybody yeah 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 exactly yeah but uh, you know i can see we're about 10 minutes yeah but get that in the middle of the jungle and you just yeah you just can't get get warmed up i mean that that's the thing if you could run into a nice warm building for an hour you'd be fine but yeah yeah where are you gonna find that at (laughs) yeah and and the rain is so heavy just like it just goes through everything it's so intense And if you're racing, you know, if we're racing in Scotland or in, in Northern Europe or probably in the States even, you know the weather can change quickly. And it, and when it does change, it could get really bad and cold quickly. Mm-hmm. So you're not, you would probably have an extra, you know, an extra puffer jacket in or, you know, an, an extra like really warm layer or some really like thick hats and stuff yeah. or balaclavas. But we just really didn't think it could get that cold. Yeah. Well, plus, you know, the, your gear was pretty severely limited, so you couldn't actually throw that extra yeah thing exactly in. yeah but yeah the boxes were pretty light and yeah. yeah yeah it was an interesting one really but yeah i mean it was the same for everyone i imagine everyone was pretty much in the same boat actually that they were probably cold coming off that stage yeah yeah so well you know yeah it, it it well it is what it is but to me and i think the results speak for it but it seemed like a pretty sporting world championship for lack of a better word i mean because you were actually racing as opposed yeah, to maybe yeah. last year where it was a little bit more of just slogging along yeah oh no definitely it definitely had more pace to it this year and certainly the early stages i guess one thing when you have these mandatory stops mm-hmm. um you see you see the teams a lot yeah. which some people like and some people don't but it does make you feel like you're close because you know you know, you come into a transition and you're, you see the team ahead of you there and you think, well, you know I, know, I know now exactly what time they're leaving and I know we're only actually an hour and a half behind them. Whereas if you don't have those mandatory stops, it's really hard to know where people are yeah. and you're just, they're just ahead of you. And if you can't see them, you, you have no idea how they might be four hours ahead or they might only be 20 minutes yeah. ahead. But yeah. it's, So that makes it quite interesting. Yeah, it was good. And obviously having that dark zone where it was, it meant loads of teams all caught up with each other. And um, I mean, Techno got there first. We were there second. Yeah. And then the Frenchies were there. The Raid Light guys were not far behind us. Yeah. And then obviously loads of other teams caught up. All the like uh, Michael's team and uh, 
the Swedish army team and, you know, yoga slackers and people, they were all in that transition when we left in the morning, but yeah. we'd obviously had a full night's sleep. Yeah. Uh, um, so, yeah. Just as a general what thing, do you think the penalty actually really made any difference in the outcome of the race? That's a really hard one to answer, really. I think, actually, bizarrely for us, I think it was probably a benefit mm -hmm. because we, I think when we had that four-hour sleep, yeah. it really, we all caught up a lot. We got had a really good rest then, and it was before a bike leg at night, and it, it helped well. But I don't know. I, I, It's a funny one, actually, because I don't think there should have been a penalty because if you've got 47 teams yeah. doing one thing and three doing another thing, that's definitely not the team sport. That's definitely how teams interpret the instructions that they've been given. Yeah. But obviously, if you've got two top teams, Hagloss and Seagate, who took that route, they they read it, they interpreted it that way, and it's it's so you can read it either way. There's definitely not, you know, it's not. He should have made it a lot more obvious. He should have crossed out like yeah. you don't walk up that track. I mean, that would have been just a, a lot simpler. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I. I can see why they did it, and I, we didn't really have any beef with it. We weren't like, well, you know, yeah. virtually every team's got it apart from Seagate. But it certainly gave Seagate a good advantage, and it meant that they always had that, that luxury of knowing that if they get through that, they, they've got a lot more time to get through that dark zone. Mm -hmm. uh, um, and it probably, it probably meant that the, the um, oh, what they called the uh, Mimis and Jackie's team yeah, they... were just chasing tail so much and they were going so hard to try and get through the dark zone yeah. that by the time they got through the dark zone after that they sounded like they were pretty spent yes exactly I mean Colombia are, are great races and I've got a huge amount of respect for them and you know they I don't know it'd be interesting if they hadn't got that penalty if they could have pushed Seagate a little bit harder because mm. they got ahead of them at some stage I think before the dark zone did they is that right yeah they yeah um, they made a route choice that saved like an hour um, I think okay. I think on the last on the trek before the kayak or somewhere in there, you know, <laughs> it's yeah. like hard to remember where everything was. And it yeah, was some yeah. route cheese. I think them and like the Canadians were the only people that took it, but it was like an hour quicker. Oh, wow. OK, um, that's interesting. But I think it was something, you know, it was like like down a reentrant that looked. It Sketchy. was like, yeah, it could have went bad. <laughs> Yeah, 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 a bit of a high risk strategy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So. Oh, okay, yeah. But. Yeah, so, I mean, I, I don't know. I just, um, yeah, I mean, to be honest, it probably would have been a lot better if they hadn't had it because it mm. might have meant that, like, us and Techno and uh, some other teams would have got through the dark zone, yeah. maybe. Yeah. Uh, and then obviously you've got more teams in the mix near the finish. And it, I always, I prefer. Although you need dark zones because, you know, that river at night would have been really, really, yeah, really I, it was definitely needed, yeah. Oh, without 100%, it was definitely a dark zone stage. Um, yeah. It just makes it so it's like, you know, you work pretty hard and you get ahead of some teams behind you and then, you know, they suddenly catch back up with you. Mm -hmm. But things normally work out all right because if you're a bit ahead of them, you've always, you always get more sleep. Yeah. And so when you do get up, yeah. you have got that bit more energy. It, does, it normally feels fairly fair the next day. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, it is very unusual you get a team that came into that before that dark zone, say in 12th position, suddenly leapfrogging to fifth. Yeah. I don't think you'd ever really have a team that, you know, would be do that. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, there's another question because well, you're 
let's say experienced. <laughs> You've done enough races. Yeah. What do you what do you think about the mandatory sleep? Uh, for me, I personally don't. I'm not a fan of it. Mm-hmm. I think it's a really big part of expedition racing is choosing where and when you sleep, yeah. and it's a really big part of the strategy. And it really kind of um, it 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 is just a, a big part of the racing. And I can see why why they do it. And, it, and there's certainly maybe reasons why their insurance companies make people do yeah. it. But it does, and I can see why it's really good for slower teams. Mm-hmm. But I think people are sensible enough to get enough sleep anyway. I mean, yeah. you know, you're still going if you're literally at a stage where you're falling asleep, you just stop and you sleep. Yeah. You know, you're not really going to... I don't think it really is much safer to do it. In some ways, it almost makes you go crazy hard and then, because you know you're going to have a sleep and stop, that you can just go balls out mm-hmm. and then almost push it. And, and people will start pushing things. will say, well, let's go really hard and not sleep or at all. And then when we get, there's no point, because you would never, if you got really tired, you think, well, we're not going to sleep now because we're not going to get, it's not going to come off our, you know, mandatory sleeps. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would prefer if they didn't have it in races. I certainly, and it's one of those annoying things. You might end up getting to what, we seem to be quite lucky every time we got places. It it was, it just felt right, a good time to sleep. And it was kind of quite often at night. Mm. But if you got somewhere and it was, you know, Sun, 11 o'clock in the morning and you just weren't tired yeah. and you're thinking oh man we're losing hours of daylight here we should be on the you know we should be racing now yeah. and we're sleeping and I, I'm not even you know it's blazing sunshine and I can't really sleep <laughs> anyway yeah it yeah, makes yeah so it's not I, I would I would you know I would I would try and uh, I would prefer it if they didn't have it put it that way yeah well I think most cases would be the same so I I, I agree I mean yeah you, you just have to work it in, so yeah, yeah, it is yeah. what it is. Um, I gotta tell you, this is <laughs> this is one of my uh, and I and I say this all the time, but this is a kind of a fascinating one talking with you, <laughs> yeah, well, it's good, good, good. Yeah, I hope so. Yeah, I mean, um, so let's uh go back a little bit. How did you get started in this crazy adventure thing? <laughs> yeah, well, I I mean, I probably fell into it like most people do, very randomly. I was I played rugby mm-hmm. at school and at university, and then when I finished university, I I ran the London Marathon. I had a mate of mine who was running the London Marathon, and he I didn't have a place, and he just said about four days before the race, "Do you fancy running it?" I thought, "What the hell? I'll try it." So I just I photocopied his number <laughs> and laminated it and ran and just you know. Yeah. But by the end of the London Marathon, I said I love that. I was literally I was hooked right then on endur- you know on mm-hmm. marathon running. And I did a few more marathons and thought, all right, I'm ready to take it on, take it to the next step. So I did the mar- something called the Marathon de Saab, which you're probably familiar yep. with. Yeah. I enjoyed it, but I thought, oh, this, this not quite. I can't see myself doing more and more things like this. It was too much stopping and starting. Yeah. And then I one night I, I saw Eco Challenge on TV. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't remember which one it was actually, and I just thought, oh my god, that looks amazing. I'm really that looks just um, that that's ticking all my boxes. And then I went on the internet the next day and, and I found some little races in the UK and we did a few races. And then I did, so Warren Bates, who obviously raced with, we went to university uh, together. And uh, so we went and did a race. And I think the, ra- the first race we did, we came last. And we were just, we were rubbish. We turned up in like rugby kit, <laughs> like heavy shirts. Yeah. Like, you know, like, you know, trainers with no grip. We had really, really crap mountain bikes. <laughs> 
I didn't have a clue how to read a map. I mean, it was just, we were all over the place. Didn't, you could, we couldn't even probably take a compass bearing. And um, But we at the end of it, we thought, God, that was really good fun. We really enjoyed it. And then we just sort of steadily got a bit better and better. Uh, and then we sort of found some other good racers who had been events racing probably longer than us and kind of got a team together. We went out and did the Southern Traverse in New Zealand in 2003, I think it was. Yeah. Really enjoyed that. That was our first international race. And then just carried on racing, really. And then we had a really bad string of bad luck. We went to... Um, uh, we did Primal Quest in... Oh, where was it? In Badlands. Not Badlands, sorry. In... Um, Montana? In Mo- um, uh, Moab, oh, yeah. Moab, okay, yeah. And, um, and the girl in our, our team, who was very good, she crashed on the mountain bike and broke her arm. Yeah. So I carried on racing actually, but the other the other guys we didn't we basically had a DNF, and then we had some other we did the world champs in Scotland, mm-hmm. which was on our home turf, and we knew the area well. Not that we've been training there, but we just know it's yeah. a really popular part of Scotland, and it was home turf, and we know Scottish weather really well, and we'd won the race two years beforehand. Mm-hmm. So we we felt like we were gonna we didn't think we were gonna beat people like Nike, but we thought you know we we could get in the top five here, and at that stage we were kind of like a a top 10 team but we thought this is our chance to really get a good result and again the girl on our team jumped off a cliff and smashed a bum and we had to we we dropped out the race so we just had like this string of bad luck and then the guys went to sweden explore sweden when it was the world Mm -hmm. champs and tom pulled a rock onto his toe and smashed his toe up and they pulled out of that race i wasn't wasn't actually at that race because my son my first my oldest son was born during the race so i missed that race okay good good choice (laughs) <laughs> yeah exactly yeah very good choice yeah yeah especially in hindsight and um so we had a bit of a bad luck mm-hmm. and then we we and we and then we skipped the world champs in brazil because mm-hmm. we just thought you know it's coming out of english winter we're just not going to be ready for that 50 degree heat mm-hmm. and we just weren't we didn't have a sponsor either at the time and we just weren't organized and we thought right next year we was portugal mm-hmm. and we thought well let's just give it one more go with say you know this is kind of um this sort of racing suits us because Portugal is like a road gaining race. So you choose which checkpoints you went to and there were different points and stuff. And we have a lot of racing like that in the yeah. UK. So we felt good for that. And we thought, well, you know, let's, let's do one more world champs and see how we get on. And it was kind of almost been like, well, if we do, you know, this, this may be our last race kind of thing. And anyway, we ended up winning it obviously mm-hmm. um, in 2009 and we had a really good race and it just seems it didn't go perfectly at all, but we just, you know, I think, I think to be fair, Nike probably flew threw it away a bit, and we just got lucky that we were close enough to them to take advantage. So, and and from obviously on the back of that, we had a massive, you know, huge motivation, and we knew all along that we were a fairly good team if we really got to put a mind to it, and that really kind of just, you know, has kept us going really the last sort of five years, and then, uh, and then we went, we've been going out to do the race in Patagonia a lot as well, yeah. the expedition race out there, and we've obviously won that five years in a row, and that that kind of racing really suits us. It's a bit 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 slower pace, yeah. but much more kind of like rugged. Just get on with it, British grit, mm. deal with the weather, you know, just just suck it up really. Yeah. And so that we love going out to that race, and that race is coming back in 2016. So we're going to do that again. Oh, cool. Uh, so yeah, and so yeah, we just get going really, and. You know, we did what we Australia. We came fourth, came third in Costa Rica, um, and yeah. So you know, we've definitely got for Warren and I, Brazil will be our tenth World Championships each. So, yeah. so I'm pretty sure no one else has done ten or will have done ten. Yeah. 
think Nathan's done maybe eight, and Chris has done maybe eight. Yeah. That's... So that's kind of a landmark. So it's probably we could, if we feel like it, we could probably we're definitely going to do Brazil, and then you know we may reassess our situation. I'm keen to keep racing. Actually, Warren's a bit older than me. He's uh, 45, I think. I'm 42. Oh. So yeah, uh, yeah. We'll see. We'll see where we get to. But um, um, I still love the sport. I just you know it's it's a huge part of my life and. It's re- I'm really passionate about it. I spend, you know, every day I think about adventure racing. Although it, you know, it's it's just a hobby, really. Uh, and I've got three kids in my own business and stuff like that. I've got lo- lots of other stuff that <laughs> going on. Yeah, I still really, you know, it's it's one thing that I just absolutely I love, and I love when you get into a race and you forget about everything else in your life, and your life is just that race, and you're on that course, and you're trying to get through it as quick as possible, and it's great, yeah. and everyone else who does it as well, and all you guys, all the media and stuff, and the volunteers are all such good people that it's just it's hard to kind of, you know, not not want to go back to do and do yeah. more races. Yeah. Um, so, like, when you didn't go to Sweden, I mean, even though your son's being born, were you like, oh man, I I really want to be there? Oh yeah, it was terrible. <laughs> we were li- funny enough. We were living in New York City at the time. My wife and I. We'd, we'd recently got married, yeah. and uh, I used to work for an advertising agency. And I'd, we'd been to, I'd been to Connaughton to the New York office, mm. and my wife told me on the subway, and I was like, "Oh, this is amazing! This is really exciting!" Yeah. And then we started working out the dates, and then about an hour later, I thought, "Shit." <laughs> that's right when the Sweden races and I was like oh I had this horrible thing in my head it's like oh no that's so bad <laughs> you know so bad so good I mean it's yeah you have that feeling I'm just have you got have you got kids no but uh, I, right well, I but it's, yeah I mean, it's an amazing feeling yeah and then but and but at the same time you're thinking oh I mean I definitely made the right yes. decision for sure I was never going to go and do the race but I definitely was like oh I'm a bit gutted yeah, yeah. is there any way you could like make postpone this a little bit so i could go through yeah i know i was thinking what can you do i was thinking god maybe we should have just if we could have just done it the following month yeah. or something like that yeah. you know so. so but yeah but no it was great and 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 you know i, I was really the guys were actually having a really really good race um and uh i was really hoping they would do well and i was really gutted obviously and you know tom mm-hmm. really hurt himself this big rock fell on his toe and he, he almost lost his big toe yeah. so um, it was pretty bad. He was in hospital for a week with it. So that's but that's bad. I, yeah, yeah, it's really bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, adventure racing. You know, I feel so bad for Hagloffs as well because oh. they are such a good team and they really, they again, they're a bit like us. They've just been doing it so long, yeah. and they really deserve to, you know, probably to win a world championships one of these years. Almost just like out of, you know, yeah. the fact they've just put put the time mm-hmm. in and um, to have two years in a row and not not you know not even get that far into the race really yeah it's... especially this year and now they've dropped right out the rankings it's just like you know you feel really bad for them yeah that's it, yeah it really sucks yeah, yeah definitely yeah it, and it, the interesting part is that's kind of what everybody at the race really thought is wow that you know they're well enough liked and everybody really was kind of that really sucks <laughs> yeah yeah no exactly yeah yeah i mean it's one of those things when you're racing, you think, "Oh, that's one less team you've got to beat." But but and you think that, and you think that's the that's the only positive yeah. side of it for us as a team. You know, that's one team that are tough to beat that we don't have to beat now. But you just uh, but ultimately think, you know, they're friends of ours, and you just think, "Oh, that's just really really crappy luck that they've just not 
been able to finish. I never, I never like to hear of teams dropping out. It's always a bad, you know. Yeah. That's why. That's why one, one, another reason why Costa Rica was not such a great race because it was so long. Yeah. You know, teams dropping out at the end just because you know Seagate, just because it was, you know, it was a long just, race. <laughs> yeah, it was long. It was way too long. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it didn't. It was a funny race, Costa Rica. I, I did enjoy it. Mm-hmm. I just think they could have made it a lot better if it had been shorter and probably we just didn't do so much of the same stuff. Yeah, yeah. I, um, I know exactly what you're saying. Yeah, no. yeah. I think race directors sometimes just, because it's the world championships, just think they've got to make it uber hard and yeah. you know, and make it super long. It's just it's not necessary. Because however long you make it, it's going to be hard because if it's a bit shorter, you just race faster. So. so it's always going to be hard. It's not going to be easy because it's a bit shorter. Yeah, exactly. So, um, I got two more things I want to bother you. Yeah, with. no, I've got plenty of time, so don't. Yeah. I can waffle up all night. Okay. Um, <laughs> so let's let's go on the assumption that you guys are hard guys. Is that fair enough? You like it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, we we like it kind of, you know, when it, when the, when I suppose I think it's just something when we, we British weather is pretty crappy. Mm-hmm. And it rains a lot here, and we're just used to being out in fairly yeah. crap weather and just not great conditions. So it doesn't really phase us, to yeah. be honest. So, is there some race, some point in some race where you were said, "Yeah, this may be a little bit too much," but I mean, uh, and then you probably just go through it. But have you ever had that that thought of like, oh, "Yeah, maybe not." <laughs> Yeah, what well, the weather just gets so bad. Yeah, or or something on the course or something like that. Where... Yeah, I think the race in Patagonia, the first year I did it, which I think was 2011, it had been raining so hard for like days and days and days. And what I got really sketchy were river crossings. Mm-hmm. And I think, I mean, walking through the bush and just being cold and a bit hungry, is you can kind of deal with that. But when you get to dangerous river crossings that's potentially you know it could be fatal to be fair yeah. and um that's when i think you get you get some we got to a few rivers in patagonia and you're thinking man we cannot cross here this is way way too dangerous and you know if we have a if we have an accident here you know you're going to go downstream a long way and hit a boulder and you know you could be yeah. you know game over so i think river crossings i don't remember any that we got to where we thought we can't actually cross it but some of them were one night we got to one actually that was just it was too it just got dark and we were just thinking oh this is just this is probably just a bit too much in the danger zone and we ended up sleeping on the side of the river and waiting in the morning and the it had stopped raining and the river had gone down enough to we could cross but it was still pretty sketchy but you know I think we're sensible enough to know when when our lives are potentially in danger yeah. not to kind of put ourselves in that risk but yeah. Patagonia. Have you ever been out to the expedition? Have you ever been down to the no, race? No, I haven't. Paulette's gone twice, and I've just never been able to. Yeah, it's amazing. Um, it really is. A, it's, a, it's to me, it's probably the ultimate expedition race because it really is wild. Yeah. It's properly. You don't see anything when you're there. You don't see any roads, or you know, when you're on the trekking stages, you just don't see any signs of human life, and it's amazing. But it is you, you because you're so out there. You know, you're not going to find a bridge or you know any yeah. any safe to get across things. It's you're pretty much down to your own devices. So, yeah, yeah it's pretty cool in that stage. Yeah, no, I can't think of anywhere uh, where I've really been a bit like you know this is a bit sketchy. Yeah, yeah. I must say, I've just been speaking to um, 
some guys in Brazil who are doing the race next year uh, in Pantanal, and they say there's a lot of lot of wild animals out there. Obviously, snakes, yeah. the kind of snake where, but they say there's tigers there, and there's loads of crocs and mm. uh, fish that basically start eating you if they can smell blood, wow. and you just like. I'm not sure about. I'm not convinced about the world champs location next year. I must say, it doesn't look like an amazing, a, a, a you know, a great place to race. Well, okay, let's let's. I want to talk about that just for a second, but because that's kind of what I and I'm thinking. But then my my thought of Brazil is the Amazon in forests, and it's like, you know, are they going to get you in the mountains, or are you just going to be trekking, biking through a forest for? seven days in, yeah and paddling just, you know it's yeah there's definitely gonna be a lot of paddling yeah uh I think navigation could be really hard because mm. i don't know what's one thing about paddling on rivers and especially at night it's really really hard to find out because it's so hard to judge your distance yeah and it's really just it's such technical navigating when you've got loads of channels and it just it just looks very wet and mm -hmm. you know we had it in costa rica and we're gonna we had it in ecuador like muddy trekking and it's just <laughs> really crappy. so yeah i mean brazil's an amazing place too it's got an awesome coastline yeah. and it's got tons of coastline we could have i think they could have probably i'm sure they've gone there because they've given them some money yeah. and, and you know fair enough that's what you know that's where the prize money probably comes from yeah. and and makes the race happen, but it still looks a bit of a dubious location. Because yeah. uh, like Ecuador, I've always been, I was always really excited about going to Ecuador. I always thought it was going to be a really good race and a, a great place to visit. Mm -hmm. Whereas Pantanal, I'm like, you know, we're going to go there and race there, but I'm not like getting really, really excited about it <laughs> as an amazing destination, if you know what I mean. Yeah, I, I do. So, cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, um, last question unless something comes up but what else are is on your schedule for next year other than worlds so we're gonna do we're either gonna do tierra viva in argentina mm -hmm. uh which we won in 2013 yeah. so the last time they held it so we've got a free entry for that race so we're very tempted to go back that it's actually in chile this year okay. oh sorry next year yeah. uh and it looks a beautiful place and the guy who runs the course is uh, the race is really nice guy yuri so that's very tempting, um, but we're also really tempted by South Africa as well. We haven't, we've never done that race, mm. and it's just very, very appealing to go out there and you know just race there. And so we're probably going to decide between one or one or other of those races, um, and then we'll go back in the European Adventure Racing Championships in Ireland mm. uh, in uh, July, end of July. Okay. So we'll go back and try and defend our title, and also racing in Ireland's very easy for us you know we can yeah. we can virtually drive there and um it's a very similar climate to mm -hmm. here and the terrain and definitely very well pretty much english speaking theoretically um, theoretically <laughs> yeah not that they really like english people but <laughs> you know it's um yeah, yeah it's it's an easy place for us to race base and we yeah. know the race organizers so and there's a there's a really good bond between you know uk and irish events races although we're different countries yeah. we, we kind of all feel like we're we're all part of the same um same or almost from the same place really yeah. but um so that would be good and uh yeah i mean there's there's some other races out there I mean, i'd like to do argentina and sorry i'd like to do chile and south africa but i just don't think we could probably do everything with our budget yeah. and also time away from family and stuff yeah. like that so that'd be a plan yeah um so yeah and also probably i mean you know if you if i suddenly 
I knew that Seagate and Columbia and Tepno were all going to go and race in Chile, you'd be like thinking, "Whoa, that's going to be a really yeah, that's going to be a really tough race." You might think, "Oh, let's go for a race. It's not going to be so quite so hard to win." So, yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, we like competition, but when you know you're going up against the world's yeah. best, you think, "Well, yeah. we'll save that for the world championships." Yeah. Well, and quite honestly, if you win a race, the sponsors like that. Oh, totally. Yeah, exactly. You've got to kind of put that into perspective, yeah. and also you get the free entry, and then, and then you, before you know it, actually the year hasn't really. Then you can stretch your budget a little bit more. So, yeah, yeah I think Techno are going to Alaska. Yeah, sounds like, and I think, yeah. um, I think um, Columbia are going to go to Alaska as well. Yeah, uh, and I don't know what Seagate are doing. I'm, I wouldn't surprise me if they went to Alaska. Actually, that's probably the sort of race that they would like to go to. Yeah, I think they were looking at at. Um at chile last yeah they've but, they've done that before they won yeah. that race before yeah uh, and um so yeah i wouldn't surprise mm. me if they went back out there but it's quite close to god's zone well there's that yeah so but they're obviously doing god's zone yep. and they did south africa last year so they may not decide to go back and do the same race year on year yeah yeah uh, so yeah so yeah that's that's kind of the plan at the moment but I'm also friendly with this, the the the, the Brazilian guys BMS. Who you, do you know Guy and Camilla? No, I don't. No. Um, I raced Ecomotion with them a few years ago, mm. and uh, so they they think they may go to out to do um, XBD Australia. So I may even, uh, depending what happens with my guys, if I can, because I've I've got a bit more flexibility having my own business. Yeah. Uh, I might go and I may may join them in Australia. Yeah. So I don't know if I, that will happen yet. That's probably. Yeah, that's probably like fifty-fifty if I do that. Yeah. But, so, yeah. Do you kind of get a see? This is what I said about questions. Do you kind of get a kick this time of year, starting to think about eh, what am I going to do next year? What races would be fun? And yeah, you kind of get. I guess you get after the World Champs. You always get. I get really bad post-race blues. Mm -hmm. So you have that huge adrenaline and and the euphoria of doing a race like that and. You know, obviously, if you do well, you come back and feel quite satisfied. Mm -hmm. And if you don't kind of get the result you wanted, you feel a bit frustrated. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, no, I'm, I'm excited. I mean, I'm definitely looking forward to Christmas and the loads of downtime and, you know, yeah. playing, play, making Lego and, you know, playing football and rugby with the kids and stuff like that. So, but yeah, I'll, I'll get back into it. I just, it's if we if we don't race until South Africa, that's not until June. So that's like five months into the year. Yeah. So. But yeah, so but there's loads of little UK races to do. Yeah. You know, I'm gonna I'm running a marathon next weekend, hopefully. So I'll I'll keep myself fit by you know normally every month I do a little event just to kind of keep me ticking over. So that's 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 yeah, because you just have to, right? Oh yeah, just also if I don't have a goal a goal close by, I kind of it, it, I find it hard, harder to motivate myself to train because I think God, I'm not actually racing for five months here. Mm -hmm. you know, yeah. It's but much better to think I've got a little race, even if it's a short race, even if it's like a, you know, a three-hour kind of trail trail running yeah. sort of event. You still, I better train for that and focus on that. Okay. Yeah. I, I yep. I understand that totally. All right. Yeah. Um, okay. This absolutely is the last question. Yeah. No worries. I'm, I'm <laughs> don't, don't feel bad. Don't feel bad uh, at all. I don't feel bad, but you know, people people got to listen to this. Although I, I think I they're going to be interesting, so it's fine. It's well, not that late here. No. Um, did you find any good beer in Belgium? Oh my god! Yeah, I mean, I'm I don't drink. I uh, basically I um all the guys I went to school with, so I've known them since I was thirteen. Uh, we've all really, you know, we were a pretty tight group at school. And we've all stayed in touch, mm -hmm. 
And so every year we go away somewhere, normally like a European city or somewhere like that, and, and we basically have a bit of a needs up. And the year last year we went to um, Berlin, but it was before the World Champs in Costa Rica, so I didn't drink. Yeah. Uh, so this year I hadn't, I hadn't actually drunk any alcohol for two solid years. And then we went on a, basically a three-night piss-up in, in Brussels, <laughs> which is obviously the home of beer. And um, yeah, it was pretty messy actually. <laughs> it took me at least at least a week to recover from it. It's probably going worse than doing the world champs. It just mashes you up. So, but um, yeah, it's a good place, nice place, Brussels actually. So that's my that's my annual um, alcohol blowout basically. So, all right. Well, that was fun. So, uh, this has been great. Thanks. Yeah, no worries. Lovely to talk to you, Randy. I hadn't, I hadn't, we obviously haven't really sort of spoken in depth before. Really, I've kind of seen you at races yeah. and kind of. You know, giving you a wave or a nod or something like that but it's good to catch up yeah um, what's, what's what's you uh, do you do what's your kind of setup are you doing this full-time sort of um uh reporting on adventure racing and other kind of extreme sports and stuff no all <laughs> uh, right it's, it's um hobby. let's say a labor of love so yeah yeah um you know it's things like ecuador brought me down to cover and you know i did all you know i cover for breathe magazine and so they, yeah. you know, they took care of all that. But yeah, it's, um, as I say, you know, the, the internet speak is trying to grow the brand. So, um, you know, maybe, maybe actually someday get paid for something amazingly enough. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so do, do you, have you got your own, have you got your own business or something like that? that allows you to kind of have a bit of flexibility. Yeah. Or? Yeah. I, my real job is I'm, I do remodeling and construction. So, um, oh, okay. So I can say, yeah, I'm I'm going to be gone for two weeks, and and uh, you know we'll we'll keep working when I get back. You know, and I work by myself, yeah. so I don't have employees. So, oh, that's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can do it. I can see you've got a fairly um, impressive uh, university CV: Stanford and Harvard and Yale. Uh, yes. <laughs> I was going to say you can't really get much better than those three three American universities, can you? Yeah, well, and that's why I picked them out of randomly. <laughs> yeah, don't. Oh, did you? Yeah. yeah don't yeah. believe every, it. Also says I was born in Malaysia, so don't believe everything. I, I was reading that. I thinking <laughs> that's a bit random. Maybe his father was, in, you know, yeah. working seas or something yeah. like that. Okay, no problem. Just just remember, don't believe everything you see on the internet. <laughs> No, I certainly don't. No, no. But okay, it is funny enough. because I get stuff on Facebook for like Stanford alumni. Do you want to do this or? <laughs> <laughs> no. but, uh, yeah, that's funny yeah. actually. So no, it is. Um, I mean, I really enjoy doing this, meeting the people. I'm actually have pitched a, a job in the off-road truck racing market of all things. Oh my god! Um, doing a video and social media for a for a racer so which would which would be a full-time job basically but would give me more time to do more more adventure race stuff too so yeah that sounds pretty cool yeah, yeah it'd be kind of fun. we've got we, we oh, you must have seen it we've got ice road truckers in the uk but i mean obviously that's not racing but, but yeah. yeah that sounds quite full-on actually so yeah it would you know there's all that really cool stuff out there isn't there <laughs> Yeah, yeah. There's a. I love the world of niche sports. There's people doing all sorts of random stuff. Oh man, you just, you just. Every time you think, well, can't top that, somebody tops it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. It's funny. So cool. Cool. Well, hey, listen. Really good to catch up, Randy. All right, and hopefully and we'll. If you want to have a chat about anything, you know, later in the year after you know we've done a couple of races, yeah. just 
just just send me an email or whatever and I'm happy to chat yeah. anytime. We'll uh, we'll keep in touch. So Okay, take care mate. All right. Well, we got to close with our traditional uh, I got to tell you to go fast and take chances. Okay, sounds good. All right. Thanks. Take care mate. Good night. All right, bye.